Great. Hi, Matt. Welcome to our podcast, The Social Manoa. Um, so I thought that we would just start, um, please just introduce yourself and how would you describe your role as one of the founders? Yeah, so my name is Matt Hong. I'm 28 years old and I uh, co-founded Banan with four other or four of us total, three other bu good buddies of mine, uh, all who met in high school and some of us even in younger ages. Um, probably my role at Banan would be best summarized as maybe, uh, I guess, kind of like the creative lead on things with branding. Uh, as far as like design goes, graphic design, um, I do a little bit of help with uh, developing the menu. Um, but overall, and used to kind of be more involved with management, but thankfully been kind of uh, stepping out of that a little bit more and more as the years go on. Um, but that's, I guess, what I would kind of consider to myself in a nutshell with uh, been on. Awesome. Thank you very much um, for deciding to come onto our podcast. Uh, so I guess just to start right away, um, what, like, can you tell us a little bit more about like Banan as a whole and kind of who you're trying to reach out through, through your, um, through your business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what defines us is our product that we call Banan and that's uh, our company transforms uh, locally grown bananas into a dairy-free soft serve. Uh, so I like to say that it's kind of like if a smoothie bowl and a frozen yogurt had a baby, it would be, Banan would be its kind of plant-based farm-to-table love child. Um, and so that's kind of the main thing we offer. And it's a uh, fast, casual uh, type of restaurant. We have three locations currently on island and a mobile food truck that's a little broken down, but hopefully we'll get up and running again soon. And uh, the impetus for uh, creating this product was to support local farmers. And that's kind of how it came up. Uh, we came across this really silly machine that turned bananas into ice cream. We kind of flirted with the idea of like, you know, we're in an entrepreneurial spirit and like, oh, what if this is what we did? We became like the Jamba Juice of banana ice cream and kind of joked for a while with that. And uh, when we connected the dots that were from Hawaii and that uh, it's one of the few states that commercially grows and sells bananas, uh, we realized that there's kind of this deeper, uh, potential deeper purpose to it of supporting local agriculture. And uh, that's what drew us in. And that's why our product is what it is. And uh, we try to market it to pretty much anybody who is, you know, wants to find like a healthy treat or also the local VOR kind of community, people who want to, you know, support local farms. And uh, that said too, though, uh, when we first started creating the product, we wanted to, I mean, we definitely drive home that, uh, through marketing and branding that it's like a locally grown product, but we also wanted it and that it's plant-based, but we wanted the product to hold its own regardless of being plant-based because it's somewhat of an ice cream and that 
people would just love it regardless. So even if you're not into health foods, you know, we'd, we'd hope that you'd love it. Um, so target market is probably like, if we were to really nail it down to like numbers, it'd probably be like, you know, 15 to 35 year old, you know, year olds and uh, maybe slightly leaning towards like the female demographic. Um, but really anybody who wants to enjoy something healthy, refreshing and local. Um, so thank you again for coming on. Um, so I'm Vanessa, hello. Um, so you mentioned how you have a demographic of females that you gear towards. So how, what is like the, I guess the idea or like the mindset behind going for that demographic? Um, it's honestly, if we were probably better businessmen, we should probably try to focus on like a target demographic of people who just like our product more than, you know, the rest of the demographic uh, in our community. But I guess to be completely honest, we don't really have any like strategy at like attacking that. Um, Cause I'd say that that's just our probably most popular customer um, who we really target in a way, just cause that's, the message that we want to put out is just anybody who wants to support uh, locally grown foods and plant-based foods um, and just healthy eating in general. Um, and so for that, we try to have, create some type of media content, you know, here and there uh, that displays what we're doing with our farmers or uh you know, that we work with some, you know, pig farmers, but also a small school um, or a kind of a group of schools, a hui, uh, to get rid of our food waste and kind of tie into sustainability that way. Um, so reaching out to all the customers, though, I guess, uh, our main focus has been through social media, really just heavy with Instagram. Uh, we haven't quite gotten into the TikTok yet. Um, although wouldn't be surprised if we eventually do. And uh, marketing wise, there's also like a loyalty rewards program that we use five stars that's uh, really successful. And I'd highly recommend to any other local business here. Um, and that's probably the main channels through which we market is social media, um, five stars, that loyalty kind of program. And then as well as uh, now that we're doing like an online uh, sales with uh, macadamia nut honey butter, like a top, a really, you know, fan favorite, staff favorite topping. Um, now we're kind of exploring like, you know, the deep dark world of paid ads. And I don't know if you guys have seen, you know, the social dilemma that recent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you just realize when you first start dipping your toes into paid ads, like we have so far that, wow, it is just so true and so powerful how you can just kind of dial up a knob and the more money you put into it you know in a way not totally but in a way the more that'll get spat out and sent your way awesome thank you so much matt i actually went to the same high school that you did <laughs> just for high school but oh is um, that right so yep yep what year did you graduate <laughs> i graduated in 2017 and graduating uh this year from you or this school year from uh so senior here cool what about Great. You? i'm sure you know you must know like a few of our employees maybe probably every time I, around around I see people <laughs> that i know yeah. so yeah. whether customers or workers so <laughs> so yeah. um 
Um, one of the questions that I had was, what is your business model for Banan? Yeah, our business model is a, you'd call it, I guess, like a fast, casual chain of uh, health cafes. Um, and with the, uh, I guess, overarching focus of like supporting local farms through the food that we sell. Awesome. Thank you. Straightforward business initiative. <laughs> um, so what would you, what is your mission statement and how do you implement this into your business? Yeah, our mission statement is to make the earth happy, make people happy and serve righteous food. Um, those three things is, uh, try, is how we try to guide ourselves um through business as we evolve um making the earth happy i think i've probably hammered it in quite a bit but you know part of that is supporting local farmers um and in that sense hoping to reduce you know the long voyage that our food takes to come all the way here to hawaii and hence you know its carbon footprint um on the flip side of that as i mentioned uh kind of a phrase that we coined like there's farm to table, you know, to support local farmers. And then we kind of coined this term table to farm, which is thinking about our food waste and uh, trying to have it go back into the right places. And currently, as I mentioned prior, we deliver a lot of that or a pig farm picks up a lot of that. And then some of the other uh, food waste goes to some schools to be turned into vermicast for when their cafeterias aren't uh, serving food. Um, probably like right now. I'd assume. Uh, and so that's making the earth happy. And I'm sure there's a couple other things that we get thrown there for that. Um, but making people happy. Uh, of course, we want to have shining customer service. I hope we always do. <laughs> Although, who knows. Um, and tied within that too is really also uh, thinking about our employees and trying to make them happy and uh, create kind of meaningful relationships and memorable experiences for them. We, we realize that we're not like, for most of our employees, we're not the end goal career, you know, and we're not that large of a company to really grow to all these different, you know, professional positions. And with the knowledge of that, realizing that everybody's time is fairly temporary and transient that we want to just make it a really colorful happy memory in their lives um, and teach them maybe how to integrate a bit of play with work um, and uh, also making people happy just uh, hopefully the relationships that we grow with some of our farmers um, that I can talk about in a bit we work with one farm uh, fairly closely who grows bananas for us and uh, we hope we're making them happy uh, and that's also a part of supporting local foods is uh, reinvesting, you know, into putting money into the hands of our fellow neighbors and farmers and then serve righteous food. Hopefully the food tastes good and it kind of ties in those two things above. Thank you. And I would agree. I, let's see, I think I worked there for about two and a half years and that's exactly how I see the non. It is a very happy shiny fun memory it was such a cool college job to have um kind of incorporating play into work but at the right times so 
thank you. About three years ago uh, in October was when you trained me at the shack. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. I can. I, I remember. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Wow. Sorry, my, I've been telling my um, fellow ambassadors before you came, the fun joys of work from home is unstable Wi-Fi. So every now and then you guys are gonna cut out, um, but kind of returning back to um, topic and I definitely can, I definitely agree with Bevan. Um, I didn't work at your shop, but I spent quite a lot of um, time eating there with my friends, spent a lot more afternoons than I, I probably should have, but um, your ice cream definitely made me happy, especially during midterms and finals, um, for sure. But given that with you know everything that's going on with the world right now, um, with the pandemic and everything, how has um, your business kind of pivoted now that there was a period of time where all of a sudden, it's like people everywhere just like disappeared into their own homes? Yeah, I mean, it's been certainly a wild ride. Uh, probably, you know, a little bit of mix of like stress in the beginning, but everything's kind of stabilized. And uh, I'd say me and my business partners are certainly sitting in the camps that are just, I don't know, it's been kind of quite nice, honestly, to take a bit of a pause and a break um, from growth and thinking about growth. And it's kind of turned more into survival mode. Uh, to paint a clear picture of it, I mean, we're down probably, I hope my partners are okay with me sharing this, but we're probably down, uh, you know, to somewhere between 20 to 30% of sales pre-COVID. Um, one of our, you know, main uh, largest income stores, which was in Waikiki, that's just completely dried up. Uh, we're, we've closed it for months now. We're about to reopen this Friday to give it a go and see how it is. But uh, even though we've had such a major plummet in sales, you know, one of the sad things is the team hasn't been able to get together as much. And uh, me and my business partners, you know, we're certainly paid partly in experiences. And part of that is just hanging out with the team. And um, we, you know, as I mentioned, that's part of the mission. And, and so that's been a little bit tougher since COVID. Uh, but how the business has changed uh, since is of course just trying to really control costs um, and be really smart about things you know eliminate you know sub sub subscription services we don't need uh, think about our food costs again and uh, so controlling costs and then the way that we've been trying to uh, jump into growth is transitioning as I mentioned into a package product which is the mac macadamia nut honey butter that we now jar and we sell in stores but also online and which is really nice having a product that can ship, especially during COVID and is also just amazing to see, you know, I think we've probably sold our MacNut honey butter in almost all 50 states. Uh, and it's just wild to see, you know, all the different addresses that pop up online of who's ordering this. And uh, that's been probably our <clears throat> largest pivot as far as like our business model goes is creating some, you know, diversifying our income a little bit through packaged shippable products um, because unfortunately you know our frozen banana goodness it can't quite ship so easily 
<laughs> and uh, as well as even for delivery, it's not, you know, we do deliver, but I wouldn't say that's like a really strong food item. You know, it's not like your Thai foods and your burgers and stuff that people love to, and their pizzas, you know, that people love to get delivered to their their homes. Um, so we tried that in the beginning a little bit, you know, like uh, checking out delivery and testing the waters with that. But where we've uh, been really sprinting towards is uh, developing this macadamia nut honey butter project. And uh, it involves us, you know, I'm currently redesigning and migrating our site to Shopify, which is just kind of industry standard. Um, we're exploring new packaging. I'm gonna grab a little sample for you guys. Cause we were initially sourcing like uh, glass mason jars, but you know, there's a lot of businesses similar to us and home hobbyists that since the pandemic glass mason jars have just become totally depleted and really hard to find. Um, so unfortunately for now, I'm not a huge fan of, you know, PET plastic. Um, it's, it's better for shipping. Um, but this is kind of the, we're still probably like a three months out till these actually get delivered, but like nice kind of tin jar, um, a little bit more sustainable feel and kind of premium feel to it. And uh, so talking your guys ear off, but that's probably been uh, one of the more exciting uh, transitions we've made through the pandemic and that we've been met with immense success so far. Um, and it's certainly helped us, you know, to keep us going and uh, not only financially, but just emotionally just to be kind of excited about you know this new endeavor of our business and it also gets us like kicking ourselves a little bit too that like we've been in business we're gonna be coming up on six years in 2021 and uh we're like we've served mac nut honey butter for all six years pretty much and we're like oh my god like why didn't we work on packaging it earlier and shipping it and tons of employees. I'm sure even Bevan probably has told us in the past, like, why don't you guys pack it into, you know, little jars. Uh, and uh, now that we're doing it, it's been, it's been really exciting. And, and that's probably been the biggest business model change through the pandemic. Yes. I have been saying that. I have <laughs> been saying that. It was so good. Uh, um, but I, the other one just doesn't taste the same that we would sell from the farm. <laughs> yeah, I agree. From a whole farms. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask, I haven't actually looked, I could check the website, but how much do you sell each individual jar for? $13 for like a eight ounce jar. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Sorry. Someone can take the next question. I had to ask. Where's the, um, real quick, where's the, uh, product like, um, refined at? at your guys's location or outside of yeah at our uh, university oh. store that's uh that's the location that pretty much processes all of our food like when it turns bananas you know into these big vats of smoothie purees that we dump into our ice cream machines um it all happens there and that's pre-pandemic that's where we would have you know probably around five thousand pounds of bananas a week was the average that we'd be hauling into there peeling and uh turn it into that yeah, liquid form. Yeah, 
cool it's so cool i think um what's it called i think it's really awesome that you know you're having this exciting endeavor with your twin friends um and also just a quick side note sorry there's also a construction um but anyway i think um what's it called you're definitely not talking your um our ears off um we definitely do appreciate you having or having you here sorry i'm like also really nervous okay <laughs> <That's all right. laughs> um, thank you appreciate a drink um maybe. but yeah since <laughs> yeah, I have tea, but um, I think the tea is not helping because there's a lot of caffeine in here. But anyway, <laughs> so I think you mentioned um, what's it called having a lot of farmers or having or being in contact with a lot of farmers in local schools. So how are you able to, you know, um, initiate that um, and also gain a lot of trust and contact with them? Early on, uh, as we reached out to farmers, uh, it's started out just us going to farmer's market and trying to get the lay of the land on who grows what like how do you order things uh quickly we learned you know that usually for large scale produce of our sort especially bananas you'll go through large distributors like you see their trucks around town like cisco and diotani these people who handle large amounts of produce um so initially all of our bananas and much of our produce came from them and then we kept meeting other small farms for specialty ingredients, you know, like we work with Frankie's Nursery located in Waimanalo uh, for passion fruit and dragon fruit and these things that are a little bit more seasonal and we'll just try buy a bunch from them at a time. And then our latest banana farmer and banana whiz, uh, he goes by Banana Gabe. And uh, I was just at a uh, fundraiser maybe three-ish years ago or so. And somebody, when I introduced you know, myself and told them what I do, they're like, oh my God, like you have to talk to Banana Gabe. Like I'm sure there's something that can come of it. And fortunately I reached out and he, uh, or fortunately he, he got back to me when I reached out and uh, he said that he, you know, wanted to reach out prior to and think that we could kind of make something happen in some way. And, uh, from there, it blossomed into this uh, beautiful relationship where uh, we gave him a little bit of uh, capital and the money uh, to help. He was building a nursery at the time, uh, which is really just like some mesh kind of fence, you know, to keep out bugs and other, you know, vectors for disease. <clears throat> and uh, in return, he would pay us back through growing us organic bananas of this uh, kind of special variety. And uh, that's, I guess, kind of a tangent from, from the question, but it's really, it was just on the foot, you know, just meeting people and talking to the farmers at farmer's markets or looking them up online and then realizing that like, you're never gonna reach a farmer online or find them. Like you have to either find them through the markets or uh, just word of mouth and people who have contacts. Awesome, thank you so much, Matt. Um, so the next question that we have is, what makes your business different from other similar businesses? Like maybe businesses that distribute acai bowls or other health food style items. Yeah, uh, first off what makes us different is just our product itself is served in this kind of fairly unique soft serve form. Mm -hmm. um, there's only a handful of people that we've seen, you know, around the nation and world that are doing it. And 
a good handful of them uh, were inspired by us. Some of them even like on their website state that, you know, oh, we went on a trip to Hawaii. There's this cool one in Copenhagen, this cool one in uh, Denmark that kind of, you know, tips their hat off saying like, we went to this trip in Hawaii, tried this product out and now we're doing it over here. And uh, so that's the main thing that I think really separates us is that it is this weird kind of space of like, is it an ice cream? Is it like a smoothie bowl kind of thing? Um, it's kind of a bit of both, a little bit confusing maybe to some people. Um, so the product for sure differentiates us. And then uh, probably, I think a lot of other smoothie and smoothie bowl companies uh, are maybe trying to tap into, you know, supporting like farm to table and, and doing all that. And some of them aren't, you know, like, I don't know necessarily what Jamba Juice's supply chain looks like in Hawaii. Maybe they actually do some good. I, I'm not too sure. <laughs> um, but I'd say because we're like a single ingredient focused product that bananas is like our jam and that's our thing. Uh, it does differentiate us because for one, you know, we have that single ingredient, but also lucking out with working with someone like Mr. Gabe, banana Gabe, and that we can, I don't know, so deeply invest in a relationship like that. And, uh, for being such a small company, um, but yeah. because we're small, but we, kind of just go through this one particular ingredient, you know, pre-pandemic, like I mentioned, we're going through 5,000 pounds a week. We're going through a lot of it. So we can actually invest in these farmers and make, you know, the small change that we do that I'm not going to say that other competitors aren't doing. I, I just don't know what they're doing with uh, necessarily if they're that supply as supply chain focuses us. Um, and then I'd like to say we're the most fun company to work for but I don't know who knows I haven't worked for the other ones <laughs> definitely a fun company to work for I would say the <laughs> um so you mentioned some people kind of not not taking the idea but kind of taking the idea in other places um like in Copenhagen you said but um mm -hmm. how do you handle when people do that I uh I think one of the other employees told me about someone doing something like Banan in Ecuador, um, or there was another one in like South Carolina, maybe. So what do you do when that happens? And how do you guys feel about it? Uh, honestly, for the most part, at least me personally, I generally feel flattered when I see it happening. They're like, oh, that's pretty amazing that we started this concept that people think is that impressive that they're going to throw their own money in life or try to raise investment or something to go do it. Um, we don't necessarily attack the problem in any way. Uh, most of them that we've seen kind of like futter out just because sometimes, at least like the North Carolina one, which is one of the first ones, uh, they, you know, when people are doing that, sometimes they're just in the game of copying you and they don't really have that creative drive and uh, genuine intuition about branding. And that guy's like truck was piss poor. And it just, I don't, I, it just wasn't gonna work because he was trying to do what we did, but like, you know, half-ass job at best. 
Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum, uh, when we opened a few stores in Japan, there is actually a concept that uh, uh, mimicked ours pretty, uh, I don't know, you know, detail for detail, like a Sai banana swirl, like the greens flavor, um, the way the menu is designed, the way that we have this kind of uh, logo of like farm to table, table to farm, which shows like a banana going to an ice cream, going to like a banana peel and having this kind of you know cyclical loop and them stealing kind of ideas like that and finding out that they were actually like a massive company. There was like 5,000 people, you know, huge conglomerate that was testing the waters with it. And how we defended and attacked was uh, we just went in with our Japanese partners and just uh, tried it out. And I know we don't speak a word of Japanese, but our Japanese partners were just like hassling, you know, the people who are working there who poor souls who probably weren't really involved in the creation of it. And uh, just being like, oh, do you know that these are the guys that like, this is the concept you guys stole? <laughs> and, uh, but there's not any like legal thing we go for. And honestly, if people are just doing it right, and especially if they had a similar focus on, you know, supporting some type of good agriculture, doesn't always have to be local, um, but has some, you know, beautiful story. Uh, I'm very for it. Like, I, I think the world's large enough that it'd be cool to see our concept other places done differently by other people. It would hurt to see like if someone totally blew up and it was like a very similar thing and it'd be like, oh man, like, you know, we missed our, you know, our, our shot. But for the most part, I would say 80% flattered and then like, you know, 10% intimidated and then 10% something else. I don't know. Gotcha. Thank you. Yeah, I think Gary sent me some pictures that caught my attention and made me laugh about that. <laughs> so that's good to hear you guys are feeling positive about that. Um, and then Cindy, sorry, I know you cut out. I think the next question is yours. Yeah, sorry. my I don't get to control, sadly, how the Wi-Fi goes in my house. So fingers crossed that it's going to get fixed soon. Um, but I guess uh, for you, Matt, since you kind of started your own business, if there's any like student entrepreneur like you out there, what would kind of be like the steps that you had wished someone had walked you through or something that you just want to impart on to the next generation of entrepreneurs that might see your business and be like, well, I want to start something um, similar to that or build on top of it. Yeah, that's a great question. Hmm. I think if I, if I was to rewind time and just be starting out, Hmm. I would definitely, I mean, I, I didn't come from a business background. So things like in the world of accounting were like totally new to me and I'm still not like our accounting arm force, you know, within the company, but uh, definitely just understanding how to read a profit and loss statement because you get to really dive into the costs. I think that's the most like business kind of, uh, if I was to like go back in time and talk to myself, ah, it's hard to say, I don't know if that would be the thing, but 
but to finish on that note, you know, reading profit and loss statements, allowing yourself to like dive into costs and really make sure that like, hey, this, you know, this cup of chocolate macadamia nut, it's really making sense. Or if like the mac nuts are costing too much and, you know, all your ingredients are costing too much for really to make sense in the scheme of things as you're paying for rent, employees and all that. Um, that would have been a nice one just to get a, a bit ahead. I mean, you'll figure it out eventually as long as, you know, I guess your product is successful enough. But that is really important is, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think I'd actually highly stress that because I think we got really lucky. Um, you know, we were in fortunate backgrounds where we didn't have to pay ourselves in the very beginning, we're living at our parents' homes. Um, but if you're really trying to generate income and feed yourself without like working another job or something, um, you really have to come into it with a pretty, I guess, uh, not polished idea of like your costs and your you know, projection and sales, but uh, I have a good idea for what you're going to get into. And what else would I tell somebody who's just starting out? Hmm. I guess if it might help you in like your thought process, like what was like something that when you first started and you ran, what was like one problem that you ran across that you're like, it, it gave you a pause and it made you wonder like, what would it, what do I need to kind of get through the like, You know, those, those up and coming new business stories that maybe if you want to share um, that someone, a new entrepreneur, student entrepreneur might run across and will be like, hey, this can happen. Um, here's how I got through it. Some ideas for you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to be just so different with a lot of, you know, varying business models. Uh, I think you just got to really charge into things and totally hit walls and then reassess and keep charging forward. Because uh, I can't say a particular, like, you know, piece of advice that would translate into other people's businesses other than that. Because, you know, for example, early on, we... Uh, we didn't always make our product with soft serve machines, for example, like our first like month and, you know, first like six months of thinking about it. Uh, we were using these like juicers that we would pretty much shove like frozen bananas through them and grind them up. And uh, long story short, we were doing things in a way that just wasn't scalable. And we realized that early on after opening our doors, you know, our, our truck um, and serving people. And uh, within the first two months, we closed down, invested in, you know, more expensive equipment, which at the time for us was like, you know, a big, I guess, uh, risk that we we're like, oh, my God, we're about to spend, you know, like $16,000 on these machines, which just sounds absolutely insane. And uh, it was the best decision we ever made, though. It's what gave our product what it looks like it allowed it for you know somewhat scalability uh as bevan knows his machines are an absolute headache too at the same time though so there's there is that we're always having machine issues um but i guess it is that that yeah you, as a at least as a 22 year old entrepreneur like i was back then and 
it was uh, just kind of sprint into the challenge and then, you know, hit walls and reassess. And um, I think that's the only way that you're really going to learn and uh, don't be, you know, absolutely, you know, totally loose and crazy with your money. But I think that's also something that I would tell myself if I, you know, could speak to myself then is, is uh, to ease kind of the stress is that like, as an entrepreneur, you have to take risks. And, you know, part of that is spending money and spending money, you know, at a threshold that you're not quite used to. Like when we first bought our food truck, it was, we went with this hilarious, awesome family friend who flips cars for a living. And he got this food truck down from 5,000 to $2,000. But that day we were like, you know, we're still coming fresh out of college. And we're like, dude, $2,000, like this is kind of a lot, even though it's like crazy cheap for a food truck and the shell of your whole company, you know, in a way. Um, but, you know, then we hit the next threshold with like the machines and spending that much money and then like opening our first store. And uh, it's, you know, it is that, that you have to like, you get have this, comfort level that grows with uh being a bit i guess riskier with your funds and there's only so much you know calculation you can do um part of it is you know a gamble i honestly think it's pretty cool that you know um how you and your friends were able to just create a company straight out of college but um you know since we looked at back in the past how about looked like looking at the future, like how do you see, you know, your business growing? Um, there's a lot of noise in the background. I'm just gonna end the question right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the future, one element as we, you know, as I kind of mentioned is is focusing on, you know, the, the project of like macadamia nut honey butter, especially like now, right during COVID and as well as like even past that, we, we kind of excited to see where it goes, um, but, the future for us, COVID's also been a really nice reset point to think about, you know, what we want to commit ourselves to. And pre-COVID, I would have told you that, you know, we want to eventually bring the company beyond Hawaii's shores and into markets like California and all that. And uh, honestly, and, and maybe one day that'll happen, but honestly, I having like kind of a break in momentum uh, has been really refreshing to, to reevaluate that, that I guess to summarize, and this is my own personal journey. I'm not totally speaking for my partners, but we had this like feeling of success and we're all young and we're ambitious, you know, and as much good we want to do, you know, we also want some money. And uh, we had this idea that, will grow outside of Hawaii and, you know, enter places like California. And it kind of just felt like the next evolution. You know, we built a bunch of stores in Oahu and uh, we established a really cool relationship with a farmer here that we're just totally down to invest in. And hopefully that's, you know, a huge part of our future. Um, but we, yeah, with that momentum, it was, uh, Kind of just dragging you along that like the next step is to do that because we have to go for something bigger because we're young and ambitious but the break in covid has been really nice to reassess and i don't personally want to enter 
those other markets, even Japan, our stores in Japan, which are now, they're just kind of a pop up their clothes um, that were uh, a taste into, you know, exploring our product outside of Hawaii. And I think I'm just so supply chain focused in a way that uh, it takes an inspiring story for me to get excited about producing stores outside of here. Whereas Hawaii, it just makes crystal clear sense. We grow bananas, we wanna sell those bananas in Hawaii. Whereas when you move into places like California and stuff that I just don't know if I really wanna be part of like the international banana trade and believe in you know what that is and that you can find a banana cheaper than an apple you know in a community where apples are grown and, and um so long tangent but uh the future which has been nice and refreshing to reassess is that we just really want to focus in hawaii and really just have strong stores here and a huge part of my morale as of late has been our relationship with the banana farmer I mentioned. Um, early in the pandemic, probably within the first, you know, I think it was late March, early April, like right when it was really turning up, we had our first batches of bananas delivered by him. And, you know, that was a two year project in the making. And that's what I certainly get paid in a lot of is the emotion of seeing that we're not just supporting Hawaii's agriculture, but we're hopefully helping to improve it um, with working with people like Gabe and hopefully, you know, they're coming into more land and they're young farmers too, you know, young farmers and have ambitions. And uh, I guess that's kind of, you know, aside from the MacNut butter growth, the future plans with us is just to really, yeah, focus on here in ho at home in Hawaii. Awesome. Something uh, good to come out of a something like a pandemic, I guess, is, is new goals for the future and reevaluations of what matters and what's feasible. So that's really cool. So um, how many employees do, do, you, do you currently have and how were you able to grow more employees from what you originally had, Matt? I don't even, I would have to look at the roster. I've been pretty clocked out of management, I guess. And I don't know where that sits at, especially now that we're reopening Waikiki. Um, my guess is we have like somewhere around 15 to 20 maybe employees. I could be wrong. Maybe it's a lot less right now. Pre, somewhere pre, around there. Pre, yeah. Pre-COVID though, it was, you know, upwards of like something around like 60-ish. Um, which and started from just us four in the truck. Gotcha. So it just started with you four and then who was your first hire? It was Hunter. Yeah, type. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. Who I think he when did he graduate? He must have graduated like twenty fifteen. Karen, did you know did you know him at uh Hunter who? The Turk? He was like yeah. maybe two years older than you. Yeah. Yeah. So he he was our first employee and uh uh, yeah, it's just gotten more fun and more fun as, as uh, the team's grown. Cool. Gotcha. Expanding ever larger, but staying in Hawaii now. So, <laughs> yep. 
So what was the, what was the journey like, like looking back from starting your business until where you guys are at now? Uh, I guess to try to condense it, it's been just crazy fun. And uh, it's been just the best random weirdest kind of risk that I've taken. You know, I, I, I graduated from college uh, in biology and was thinking about doing pre-med and had this entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, started talking to the friends about different ideas and uh, they were more like tech related. Not that I know really anything about the world about tech and building a tech company, but that's kind of where it started. And to have it serendipitously kind of blossom the way it has and be involved with food um, has been just the best thing that I could have asked for in life. I, I just love being involved with food. Uh, it's just such a, you know, simple, it can be overlooked. It's just what you eat that day, but it also can be very profound that, you know, it's one of the things that we interact with most and, you know, and make environmental decisions about every day. Um, and that we kind of have this choice every day in our lives and uh, connecting with farmers has been cool. And that's initially, you know, starting out in the uh, journey of it all. That's what I was excited about is connecting with farmers and having some type of small impact. Um, and then it kind of grew into hiring employees like Hunter and yourself, Bevan, and uh, trying to, I guess it expanded our, I just did not think, I've said this before, uh, you know, maybe like some company meetings and stuff or like one of our big parties that, uh, and it's just always so true that when I first started out in the business, I did not think about all the faces and the people that help us. We just thought like, oh, it's gonna be successful and it's gonna be great. And, uh, as we started to have team come you know, along, uh, it opened my focus to like that, man, also a huge part of you know, this sense of purpose and what we wanna accomplish is just creating really fun jobs. And uh, that's been, oh yeah, a huge element in the journey is just having fun and uh, hopefully for the employees. And then as well, you know, we went into business together as friends because we thought it would be fun. And it was so many people discourage you from going into business with friends. And I think it can be so true. I'm sure it can ruin friendships, but for us, you know, it's, it's only for the most part deep in them. And uh, we went into it because we thought it'd be fun together. And it's been wildly fun. Probably I'd say, outside of some of our company parties, one of the highlights of just like the journey, if I'm trying to like condense everything was doing our stores in Japan and going over there and just drinking with our business partners and just having this super surreal time that we're going to expand the business and um, have her go in, you know, this kind of foreign world. And uh, so I guess to answer your question, uh, it's so hard to, bottle into you know a few sentences but it really has just been ridiculous amounts of fun yeah um so i think that should probably be a good end to our zoom meeting today um i think uh 
Corinne Hassel has to go to. But anyway, um, yeah, thank you again, Matt, for, um, you know, spending your time with us. Um, and yeah, thank you again. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Best wishes with the podcast. I had, I had. A yes, you are actually our first um, official guest. So we're very, very oh, happy cool. to have you. Yeah. Exciting. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually going to stop the ending or the, the recording here as well. All right. Okay. See you soon. Or, well, other people. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs>